I love that they sang a song teaching us and reminding us that we are to be a people that praise. But if I asked a question to follow up, again, Matthew's taller than me. There we go. If I asked a question to follow up, one of the things a pastor finds out a lot is people like the idea of prayer, but if we're honest with ourselves, we struggle with it. Is that true? Yeah, sometimes we struggle to pray. We should pray more. We should pray this. We shouldn't just ask God for stuff. You know, the list goes on of the things we wish we did better. I've been thinking a lot about that in the life of our church family as I've watched our numbers for prayer times as a body dwindle uh, to usually what I can count on one hand. And this isn't a criticism. It's, it's, it's an invitation to draw us back. And I wondered, well, how do I remind us that we as a church family agree with the Bible when it says we are going to be dependent on the Lord prayerfully? And everything we do is say we're going to lay it out before him like King Hezekiah did and say, God, help us. In the good times, we're going to bring it to him and say, Lord, here you are. And so I thought, you know what? Maybe we need a refresher course on what prayer looks like. So for the next two weeks, after we finish the unfiltered series on the life of Peter today, we're going to change our attention and spend two weeks looking at prayer. And we're going to do so by looking at the high priestly prayer of the Bible, John chapter 16, where Jesus prays for his disciples, Jesus prays for the church, and Jesus prays for the world. And then he invites us to do the same. And so I want to encourage you, come back to church the next few weeks. And the week after that, one of our elders slash under shepherds, uh, Matthew Wong, is going to be sharing from his heart what God has been leading in his life and teaching him. You see, we're in this together. And when it comes to prayer, you get a chance every Sunday to start your worship time at 10.30 in the morning with us right up front. I long for that group to be all of us. And then you wonder, well, what if 10.30 in the morning doesn't work? I've got kids, I gotta get upstairs, this or that. Join us on a Wednesday night where we cry out together. We open the word together. We eat soup and salad together and we pray. Or if neither of those work and you've read the newsletter, you know every day at 10 a.m. the staff stops whatever we're doing, if we're in the office and wherever we are, if we can, and we pray every day at 10 a.m. Sometimes it's for five minutes, sometimes it goes a bit longer. You can join us with then, even if you're not with us in the body, you can be with us in spirit praying to the Lord. I say all that to invite you to be a church with me that prays, knowing full well that I have a lot of room for improvement, and I'm probably not the only one. But we can encourage each other in our prayers. We can encourage our missionaries as they serve. And we have a few today that I want to welcome warmly, starting with one you're going to hear from next week. Where's Lavina? Is she downstairs? Oh, there you are. Would you stand up? Uh, and by the way, this is going to be deleted from the podcast, so you can't share that. Stay, stay standing for a minute. I got a couple more, Lavina. Lavina is going to share with us next week. Lavina works with an orphanage uh, north of the border, and we are thrilled. She is our first full-time missionary that we've ever sent, and we love when we get to spend time with her coming back. So welcome, Lavina. We're very glad you're here. Then we also get the privilege of serving uh, and supporting in various ways. Bless China International. They don't know that I'm going to ask one of them to come back in November and be part of our missions month, but we'll tell them that later. Albert, uh, welcome back. But we also have from uh, BCI, we have Didi Seeberger from Germany who works in Fugong, 
Uh, and you know, and again, do not record this. We will not put this in any uh, for their protection. But Didi, uh, I believe, is right there. Welcome very much. We're very glad. Would you stand up so people can welcome you later on? And then also with him is David Sachali and uh, family from Zambia, and they're headed back to Kunming, correct? And you've been in Kunming for 15 years? Would you stand up as well? And here's how I want to tie that all together. That's just three. Uh, We've heard from other families. We've got others coming in. But here's what it looks like when we put the pieces together. First, we understand that Jesus is here and he is with us. As we understand that, we realize there's a call to trust him and obey him with our very lives, right? And as we do that, out of that, we begin to tell our story of him at work in us, right? And we begin to realize there's a different way to live, that whatever happens around this world, it is well with my soul. Did we not just sing all that? Amazing how God puts those together. And as we tell people we're challenged to get together and as his children, pray and restart the process. Why is missions both locally and abroad so very important? Because it's the very call of God on our lives. No matter who we are and what vocation we do, we are all called to honor God by how we do life with people, letting them see the goodness and greatness of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So with that, I'm going to pray. Uh, It doesn't look like my computer is going to cooperate today, so you're just going to have to trust me that the keynote, the PowerPoint was really cool. Uh, And Yes, sir. Sure, Albert's going to come and share. Welcome back, Albert. One of our... Oh, that one's not going to work. When you uh, retire as an elder, you become an ex-officio elder. That means I can call on you anytime, uh, and it goes both ways. Since you're going to pray, I thought it would be appropriate that I should add the prayer items that these uh, God's uh, servants need. They need it very badly. And uh, Didi has been, been uh, my housekeeper now for five weeks. Four weeks. Four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> One away. Because he's waiting for his visa to China. And he's having problem here. He had to go to Thailand and back again. Anyway, it's still unresolved. So that could, should be a prayer item that we should pray for him, that he will get a very speedily a visa to back to, to serve the, the orphans. He and his wife, uh, Dagmar, operates a uh, foster care um, ministry in Fukong. And, and um, Dagmar is still in China. But he's stuck here without visa. So let's pray for, for them there. And the Sir Charlie family just gone back home, or home leave, I believe, for about five weeks. Yeah, seven months. Six, six months. And so they are now ready to go back to serve in, uh, w- with um, the BCI uh, for I don't know how many more years. They've been there 15 years. Yeah, that the. So they, uh, so they'll be they're long, they're long-time missionaries, and they are also look, uh, waiting for a visa to be issued. Huh? Already out? Okay, fine. So um, anyway, let me pray for God's blessing upon them as they serve. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Albert. Thank you. Well, you know, when somebody invites you to pray, 
Let me give you a piece of advice. I'll give you this again next week. But often, what what do we do when somebody asks us to pray? I'll pray for you. And then we go off and we forget to pray for them. It's happened, right? So we're not going to do that today. I'm going to give you one other announcement slash prayer item, and then we're going to spend time praying for these, uh, and we'll then jump into the message. Uh, Many of you know we have called a discipleship pastor to join our church. His name is Reverend Stan Tyson, the reverend you don't need, but you know, we want to give honor where it's due, uh, that Stan and Mary Ann are eager to join our family uh, as uh, pastor and wife, and we're excited to have them. Uh, one of the big needs was before they could come, they need to sell their house in America. Those, those big houses in America kind of hang over you. It's hard to leave them and all that goes with that behind. Uh, and so the process has gone very smoothly overall, but the banks need to sort some stuff out. They've got a buyer. If everything goes well, August 10th is the sell and closing day and all those words and mortgage life and all of that. So we pray first for that. Second, we praise the Lord. I already have their visas sitting in my box. So that is huge. For the first time in the life of AIC hiring pastors, the visas are done early. So we rejoice that God has provided that and we trust him to bring them here safely. We'll begin looking at flats for them. So pray that God would guide us to the right spot, that they can uh, live and minister in a way that's fitting for the church needs and their needs as well. So we're going to pause. We're going to pray for Didi. We're going to pray for for the Sachali family, uh, also for Lavina and then for the Tysons. Lord, thank you that you invite us to be a church that can stop in the middle of the service and pray, that that's never a bad idea. We have our agendas, we have our expectations, but we have you. And Lord, we need you to work in some miraculous ways. Uh, We pray for the Seabergers, that you would grant their visas. We know in China it's getting more and more difficult. Uh, The um, watchful eye of the government is ever more present around, but the work they're doing with orphans and fostering children is nothing short of biblically obedient that we, the church, are supposed to do. And so, God, please, please provide that visa tomorrow. We trust you in this, and we know you can work where man cannot. And so we cry out, God, make it happen. For the Sachali family, thank you for their faithfulness and ministry. Thank you for their willingness to to move across the world to serve your people at their points of need. And Lord, we pray that you would bless them as transitioning back can sometimes be uh, a unique experience even after 15 years. So Lord, we just pray that you would use them, that you would renew their hearts and their spirits, and that they would go in your power, full of your Holy Spirit, to convey your great love to those in desperate need of the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. And we pray that same power upon Lavina, upon the Samatus, upon the Davids, uh, upon uh, Gordon and Helen and the family, upon all these wonderful saints of yours. And Lord, I take it a further step and say, Lord, help us to be faithful with the call you've given us, to be disciple makers of near and far. Lord, we also pray for the Tysons. Please work out every detail of their home sale and their transition so they may join us soon. Thank you that we can pause at any point and you hear our prayers. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, 
There was a time in my life where numerous people came up to me so very excited to share with me what they were experiencing. And it was just all around them. They were thrilled to tell me all of the good news that they had already learned. They couldn't wait to show me how it was changing their lives and how it was bringing them into fellowship with other people. They wanted desperately to tell everyone they could what they were learning, what they were experiencing, and how great it was. And I wanted to know what they were talking about. They're talking about Pokemon. By far more effectiveness that now we have a government telling our people, be careful. Watch where you're going. Be safe. Yet, in any given day, I've had 10 to 20 people ask me, are you on Pokemon Go? And the answer is sort of. I'm only on level three. Leave me alone. (laughs) But it has spread over the entire world. I am amazed. I'm actually thrilled in a sense because it means my Facebook feed doesn't talk about American politics right now. Instead, it talks about Pokemon Go. But what if people got that excited about the good news of Jesus Christ? I mean, literally, you could ask any, any number of people in this room, and I know adults, you're in on this too. Don't think you're not. I think, never mind, I'm not going to get myself in trouble later. Um, but someone's enjoying it with their son a lot, and there might be some competitive nature. But we know all about it. In fact, we had to watch a TV show last night to introduce us to how to understand Pokemon. But if I asked you, what is the gospel? Could you tell me that? You might tell me who... I don't even know any of the characters, I'm sorry. But could people tell me about the good news of Jesus Christ? died and resurrected victorious over sin and death so that we might have life, have it to the full, and have it eternal. And that we might invite everyone into that journey with us. And there was a time when the simplicity of that message that I just communicated, that's the gospel in a nutshell. There's lots more. That's the great thing about following Jesus. It just grows and grows and expands and shapes us and guides us. But at its very heart is what we just said. And there was a time when that message was very new and people didn't quite know what to do with it. People didn't know exactly who it was for. Jewish people thought it was just for them. And Peter was in the middle of all this. Many of us, you know, if you've been with us throughout the summer, we've been talking about different parts of Peter's life that maybe we don't always look at. We haven't talked about him walking on water. He certainly did that. He was a man of faith. We've joked that, you know, sometimes his mouth spoke faster than his mind could think. But how is that not true of many of us? But Peter was also a man tasked with building the church of understanding what it meant to be the church and what he was going to do by leading as a follower of Jesus Christ and following by example was going to mark for the rest of humanity what it looks like to know how to tell others about Jesus. But to get there, we have to understand a little bit of the story. Uh, In Acts chapter 10, if you open your Bibles... You would read right at the very beginning about a man named Cornelius. 
Great name, by the way. I love the name Cornelius. I just think it's cool. It sounds regal and official. And in Acts chapter 10, we read at Caesarea, not too far away from Jerusalem. So not too far from the very center of the followers of the way. They weren't even called Christians yet. That was going to happen in Antioch very soon. But in Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion. That means very important, very successful at what he'd done, and had guards under him. He, he was an important man. He was also uh, a part of the Italian regiment, and he and all his family were devout. Now, if you don't know what that word means, basically devout meant very good at following the law. That's what it would have meant in this. They, they would pray at the right times. They would read uh, or they would study the scriptures. They would listen where they could. They would follow the laws as they heard them. Remember, they didn't have, everyone in the audience didn't have an, uh, a phone or a digital device to read the Bible or even a physical Bible. Uh, in that day and age, they had the spoken word of the good news of God and the tradition of telling others what God was doing. So Cornelius is following the best he can. And they prayed to God on a regular basis. But you'll see as this story unfolds, Cornelius was given a vision that he should call for Peter specifically. Imagine waking up from what you think is a dream or a vision or you're not entirely sure and you're supposed to go ask for a Jewish guy, somebody you wouldn't associate with on a regular basis. But Uh, they certainly wouldn't associate with you even if you wanted to talk with them. But when the Lord captures your heart, you can't help but do what he says. And so Cornelius sends a group down to grab Peter. At the same time, Peter is receiving a vision from the Lord uh, of animals that he would have considered unclean and the the Holy Spirit or the, the vision tells him, Peter, go kill and eat. And Peter argues with the Lord. Always a good idea to argue with the Lord. It always, always works. And it never does, by the way. And, and Peter, Peter says, Lord, no, I will not do touch anything unclean. And God says to Peter, who are you to say what is unclean, what I have made clean? And he's referring to the very truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. I have made all things new through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And and we'll kind of unpack that. So these two things are happening at the same time. And so as the vision culminates and finishes, there's a knock on Peter's gate. The the Bible says at his gate, a few men come and they say, is this the house of Peter? You know, they didn't have a mobile phone to pick up and call. And it was about a half a day's journey between the two. So sure enough, Peter brings them in. They said, Cornelius says, we are to come get you and bring you back. So already Peter has invited Gentiles in, something that a Jew shouldn't do based on the old system of the law. But Peter does it because the Lord is reshaping his understanding of the good news. The Lord is reshaping how he is to live out the commands of Jesus Christ on his life. And that's changing dramatically. And what will start with Peter will spread out into all the world eventually. But what Cornelius needed to learn first, and Peter was going to help him see, was that being good isn't good enough. 
people need to hear the gospel. You see, Cornelius was doing the right things. He was a man that was obeying the law as best he could. He was a man that was praying to God as best he knew. He was a man that was testifying based on what he'd heard of John the Baptist. But there was more that was missing. There was parts that were left out that someone needed to tell him. Time and again, you as a follower of Jesus Christ will be asked, but they're such a good person. How could God condemn a good person to hell? Well, it's a choice for us that we will either believe in the message of Jesus Christ that we've been given or we will not. And in this case, there was a soft heart ready for the gospel. And God was working in two separate circumstances to bring the pieces together to make his name known among a completely different type of people. You and me. Gentiles. Sometimes they called us pagans because we weren't part of the chosen Jewish people. So what would Peter do Well, Peter says this. He goes to Cornelius' house. He he says, well, if God's telling me to go, I've got to go. I will obey the Lord. That's the first thing we have to understand about evangelism. Evangelism is a fancy, large way of saying, telling people about Jesus. Okay? So if you're with me on that, you know, and we make it all these things, but at the very basis, it's about obedience, The Lord has told us, go tell people. Go tell your friends. Go tell your strangers. Go tell people that Jesus is Lord. And remember what what Peter testified to the Jews in Acts chapter 2, that very thing, Jesus is Lord and Messiah. Well, now God is directing him toward Gentiles. And what does Peter respond with as he gives this message? He said, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, which, if you've noticed, I've referred a lot to the fact that Peter likes to quote the Old Testament. This is Deuteronomy 10. Peter, again, quoting in a different context that God is there for all people, the widows, the oppressed, the least of these, God is for them. And here he's now bringing that into the Gentile community. This is transformative and revolutionary in early church. This is the beginning of what we now call church. This is where it's starting with the Gentiles. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And that starts with belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Out of that comes the righteous fear that says there's only one way to live. Out of that comes the truth that says his ways are better than my ways. I'm going to trust him and obey him. Out of that comes a response that changes how we look at other people. You've heard me say a lot about people being made the very image of God and we should see them that way even if we have a hard time getting along. This is all part of what Peter's figuring out verbally. Because Peter wasn't always the easiest man. He was stubborn. He had the audacity on numerous occasions to correct God. (laughs) God, you must be mistaken. You couldn't possibly be correct. Lord, you don't need to just wash my feet. You can wash all of me. 
Lord, I would never betray you. I would never deny you. Lord, don't tell me to kill something that's unclean. I would never do that. (laughs) You get the idea. Peter keeps saying these things. And every time he finds out, oh, why didn't I just listen? So you realize that, that Peter, this is all exploding in his mind at one time, I believe. He's realizing the truth of who God is. I get it now, Lord. And I think he's talking half to himself. Half, okay, a third to himself, a third to God, and a third to Cornelius and his family. God doesn't show favoritism, but accepts from every nation those who fear him and do what's right. Because a true disciple, a true follower of Jesus Christ, will live a Christian life. We sang last week, they'll know we are Christians by our love. A Christian isn't just one on Sunday for an hour and 15 minutes. And that's at the heart of Peter and what he's saying. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. How does it become well with your soul, O people of God? Through Jesus Christ. You want that peace in a world that is chaotic? Have you met Jesus? If not, let me tell you how. And then he goes on a few verses later in verses 42 and 43, and he reminds people of what we've been told to do in the first place. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. We're talking about Jesus. Peter, again, never says, look at how great I am. I'm the one to do this. It keeps pointing back to Jesus Christ. When we're so excited to talk to people about something, you realize our conversation keeps going there. We keep talking about whether you're red, yellow, green, or blue team. Some of you understood what I just said. Others of you are not Pokemoning, and that's okay. A whole lot are not wanting to admit it. That's fine too. But others, we get excited about something. We want to tell the world about it. And we want people to come with us on the journey. But when it comes to following Jesus, well, that's very private. And we keep it all to ourselves. What if we were as excited about Jesus as Peter was? I get it now. Jesus is Christ for all nations. All people are invited in. All the prophets have been testifying about him for a thousand years. It's him that brings us forgiveness of sins through the great name of Jesus Christ. It's him that we need. What Peter is doing is breaking down a wall that had been built up by man, and God was showing the world that through Jesus Christ this wall was being torn down. And he was telling the world through Peter that the gospel, the very good news, The very message of Jesus Christ is for all people. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So what kind of people is it for? Well, it doesn't work as much anymore to say just what nation you're from because we're so intermixed. We're a very international church these days. We have people from every major continent with us except uh, for Antarctica. I don't think anyone's from Antarctica. But we have North America. We might not have any South Americans here today, but maybe we do. I don't know. Uh, But every other continent, I know I can see you. We've got Europe covered, North America covered, Australasia covered, or whatever we're calling it. I learned that Australia was its own continent, but now apparently it's not. 
Africa, we've got covered. So we've got it down. All the different cultures that are a part of that. All the different people groups. We've talked before about unreached people groups. God is for all of those people. You might go to work tomorrow with someone that might look Asian, but they might be from a tribe somewhere that has never heard of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but we would never know it. They might look Western like me, even though I'm a funny-looking Westerner, but they might be from a tribe or a people group that is so used to Christianity that they've ignored it. They've got used to seeing it watered down and they need someone radical to love them and point them back to the good news of Jesus. You might be from the Philippines where Catholicism is so prevalent in your church and in your family and in your very culture that they know the right answers, but they have no idea what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. You might be from a family that has been Buddhist or Taoist for their whole lives, for generations upon generations. You will sweep their graves twice a year. You will do the right things. And this, I am not in any way disrespecting or making fun, but you've got these traditions in your families, and they need to, someone to love them enough to say there's a way to be free from that bondage, from that oppression that comes from having to live up to a false god. Because the true, the one, the living God came down to us and made his dwelling among us and made it so that we might know him and enjoy him forever. People need that message. People need to know that regardless of your culture, regardless of your background, we have more and more Indonesian domestic helpers coming into our culture that have grown up in an Islamic state. Do they know Jesus loves them? Or just that Islam is wrong. Or maybe uh, people in Africa have heard about Islamic State, but no one's dared tell them that Jesus is the answer to terror. You see, my point is, Jesus is Lord for all cultures. He's also, and I love this, and I love hearing what Didi and his wife are doing. And I love, I've got uh, many friends. We've got Lavina working with orphans. If you read through this book, constantly it tells us to love widows and orphans and care for these the world forgets. Constantly. It doesn't say just chase the upper class, go after the wealthy people first because it's comfortable and they'll buy you good lunches. Now, by the way, the wealthy need Jesus too. Please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. But God came that all who would call on the very name of Jesus Christ might be saved. That's the widow, that's the orphan, and that's the man that has his office on the very top corner office of the ICC building. And everyone in between. Jesus is Lord of all cultures, all classes, and all contexts. If you talk to people, and uh, maybe our friends from BCI, and uh, I spoke with Lavina earlier this week, China is changing dramatically and quickly. The openness to the gospel that we might have felt a few years ago, the government seems to be more intentional on squishing and squashing. Is that accurate? Somewhat? Uh, some areas, Lavina's like, yes! 
and we talk to our friends with another organization that we support, uh, Andy and Brooke, and they say the same thing. We're seeing it. We're seeing more risk from our local believers on the ground that would proclaim the great news of Jesus Christ because the context is changing. You go to some place like South Africa and the context is changing. As wealth increases, people have no more need for God. As situations change, people put God to the side. That's why many sociologists say England and Europe as a whole are post-Christian worlds and America is headed that way dramatically quickly. And Hong Kong could be next. So what do we do as the context change? We remind people that the good news of Jesus Christ never changes. That the hope that he gave us 2,000 years ago when he rose victoriously over death and sin is the same hope that we have right now. That the Lord and Messiah that Peter said is Lord of my life, even though I betrayed him, he forgave me. He's that same Lord today. No matter what situation you find yourselves in, wherever you might go tomorrow or the next week, Jesus Christ is enduring. Jesus Christ is able to stand up and be spoken of and proclaimed in any situation. You know, I've told you this before, but before I uh, became pastor of Alliance International Church, I was the youth pastor of a church in Minnesota, uh, and I had this group of boys, and they were my junior high. Uh, I let somebody else lead the high schoolers. They, they, they were easier, but my junior hires were insane. There's no way to put it. They would come in and drink the most caffeinated soda they could find before coming to Sunday school on purpose, just so they could see what I would do. And they knew one thing, that even if they weren't paying attention, even if nothing else was going on, that their answer would be the same. When Mike asked them a question, the answer would always be Jesus. No matter what. And there was one kid, and I can use his name because I don't think he's listening to the podcast. He's married now, amazingly. His name was Clayton. Clayton was about this big. But oh man, he had enough energy to fill this room. And I'd be like, so Clayton, tell me what is the one root of all sin? And he would not be paying attention. Oh, Jesus. You know, it didn't matter. But the thing about Clayton that I got to see was this was a kid that had a giant heart to go with that giant energy. He just needed somebody to love him and to put up with him enough to show him that Jesus is the right answer. And as far as I know, I've lost touch with him, but I believe he's still following Jesus. I know his brother is. And we trust that God will use us, even if we don't see how it's possible. There's children upstairs that some of those leaders wonder, what are they going to do with them? And some of their last names are Rose. But we trust the Lord with every kid and every adult. But we also don't say, Lord, you do it with somebody else. We say, I'm going to go into that context and I'm going to make sure they know Jesus is the answer. They might not want to hear it, but that's why we walk with them. It's not a, it's not a just uh, dive and dash where you go in real quick, you throw a Bible at them and you leave. It's about doing life with people, letting them know they're valuable, whether they accept your invitation to follow Jesus or not, you will still love them. Is that true of us? Peter had to wrestle with that because as he was invited to love Gentiles... He loved doing that, and he went to Antioch, and he wanted to see what was going on right until James, the leader of the Jerusalem church, the very half-brother of Jesus, showed up. 
And then what did he do? You guys over here, you're the Gentile side, you're the Jewish side. Peter just kind of hung out over here because important people were around and he didn't want to see them hanging out with the Gentiles. Even Peter, the rock, needed to be reminded that in all contexts, even if it's unpopular, Jesus is for all people. Do we believe that? If somebody in your office is above or below you, do they still know that they're valuable in your eyes? If somebody in your family is struggling, do they know you will still be with them every step of the journey, even if you don't agree with the choices they're making? That's what it means to take the gospel into every context. And then finally, it means what we all know it to mean. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, has to go to every continent. We cannot sit by and blindly say, I understand that Mike has told me that 2.2 billion people in this world are currently in a setting where they have no access to the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's a conservative sum. Some say that up to 40% of the world population could have no chance of the gospel right now because there's so many different people groups, contexts, classes, and situations. We, I know we're not the biggest church. I know we're not the biggest congregation in Hong Kong. I know we're not the biggest in Wampo, and that's all okay. But what if we put aside things like size or resources, and we said, I am just going to obey the Lord wherever he sends me. You realize being a part of a Hong Kong family means we have access to nation upon nation upon nation every day. I live in a housing complex with 10 other homes on my block. In those homes, as far as I know, we have mainland Chinese, Taiwanese, British, New Zealand, Hong Kongers, Americans, that's us, and I'm forgetting someone, but there's one more nation. So every house has a different nationality reach. What if my heart burned with the desire to let them know Jesus loves them? Oh, Singaporean. I remembered. Thank you. But you see, that's what it means. We take him everywhere, but sometimes we think it means we've got to go, and sometimes it means we've got to go right next door. Because then we can send them from Zambia to Kunming, from Germany to Fugong, from Hong Kong to the mainland, from America to Hong Kong, from here to there. However the Lord would open the door, the gospel is for all people. It should break our heart to open up the newspaper and see what's going on in the world. Not because we're so angry at how people are treating each other. We should expect that. Sinners will do sinful things. It's not making it right. Please don't misunderstand. But we cannot expect sinners to do non-sinful things until they've heard the good news of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's our job. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that we are God's ambassadors, very ministers of reconciliation. We are to say, listen, I know this world is broken, but there is a way to make it right, and that's not through politics. That's not through a lot of talk. That's through a relationship with a God that loves you so much he would give his son for you so that you could know great, full life forever. And there's a better way to live, a way that's whole, 
a way that has purpose and meaning, that deals with wrong and calls wrong what it is, evil, and calls right what it is, holy. And you'll never regret living that way. It will be difficult at times. I shared a little bit last week, Melissa and I have faced more challenges and developmental opportunities in the past month than we ever thought possible, and it just keeps coming. But for this, we have Jesus, and our hope is found in him. But then it goes on. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter. Peter brought witnesses so that whatever happened, he could go back to Jerusalem to make sure the Jewish Christians saw that God was at work and Peter wasn't just telling a story. He brought six witnesses with him to make sure the story was told. And the circumcised believers were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. What was happening was this, that we are here to preach and proclaim the gospel. If you read Acts chapter 10 in its entirety, you'll find that the writer there, Luke, uses two words to tell us that the gospel is to be preached. And those two words are kerygma and euangelion. Okay, now one sounds very familiar, and I know you're all going to write down exactly what Mike just said so you, you can go tell your friends how great his Greek is. Please don't. That's not the point. But one is the very idea of proclaiming the good news to all who would hear. Kerygma. It's that idea of publicly saying great news. Have you met Jesus? I'm not embarrassed to tell you all about him. In whatever setting I can, I'm going to do that proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The other word meant it was almost a more relational kind of setup, evangelizing, you know, to put it in layman's terms. We are to preach. I know, Mike, you're the preacher here. That's why we give our offerings so that you can preach, not me. Okay, I get that. But I'm here to invite you on a journey to open this up and do what it says and to give you every tool you have to go preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to your friends, to your enemies, and to your strangers. Preach, tell about Jesus. Proclaim, tell about what Jesus has done for you. If you would, open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. And I want you to see what evangelism... Yeah, let me try that again. Evangelism looks like in person. This is what John uh, was saying when he wrote this letter. As soon as I find it in my... Bible. See, I'm used to digital now. I can't find pages. Listen very carefully to what John writes. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Somebody proclaimed it to them, right? Paul tells us, how can they hear unless someone tells them? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim, we preach concerning the word of life. We know the very person of Jesus Christ has existed for all time. In the beginning was the word, same writer, and the word was God and the word was with God. Same guy. We know that Jesus is here always. We've heard about him We've seen him at work. And we've touched 
the very person of him. Now, we haven't been able to touch him, but we've seen his works and been able to see those. Imagine going to visit Lavina or our teams with BCI and seeing what God is doing or hearing from King this morning in our elders meeting before church that we have a cell group that we're trying to get started there to proclaim the greatness of God and introduce people into biblical community that makes disciples of their friends, that God is preparing that and raising it up. And by the way, pray for that, that it would go on. But here's the thing. We can invite anybody to read this but people also need to know how this has changed this. When John says we've seen and we've heard, we've watched what has been done among other people. And you see that throughout the formation of the early church. And I could give you a church history lesson, but we have neither the time nor do you have the attention. I love church history probably a little more than many of you, and that's okay. But what happened time and again was as people told the story of Jesus, they told people the story of Jesus and how he changed them. And people could see that they were different. Are we different? Are we taking God with us everywhere? Saying, I'm not perfect. I'm not asking you to be perfect because I sure am not. I'm asking you to trust the Lord with all your life, to obey him and to come to the same conclusion that Peter did. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Let me put that in a term you might understand today. Lord, I don't have all the answers. I couldn't possibly tell them about Jesus. Lord, it's hard. Lord, now isn't the right time. Lord, I don't want to. Lord, that's what Pastor Mike is for. Lord, let somebody else do it. Lord, somebody else can go there. So we might not say the words Peter used, but the message is clear. In the Old Testament, the prophet Deborah was told to go to a ruler of the Israelite people and tell him what to do. And the Israelite leader said, no, I won't do it unless you go with me, Deborah. And out of that came Deborah saying, okay, well, here's what God says. If you won't do it, I will raise up a woman that will. And this is in no way a slight against women, but we are called to do something, but don't think that God cannot accomplish his work. Here's what I mean. God's work is to be done. His will will be accomplished. And we are invited into that. We are invited into the advancement of the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the unstoppable work of God. Whether we are obedient or not, that is on our conscience and that is part of our relationship with the Lord. But he is still working. We don't change lives. Why do I finish with this point? Because I want to make sure you understand something when it comes to what's called soteriology. It's a big way of saying introducing people to Jesus Christ, the theology of salvation. We are to proclaim God is to change hearts. But how can they respond if they're not told? Who will go for us? My prayer has long been that our church doesn't grow numerically because we're too busy kicking people out into the world. 
Not literally kicking you out, sending you out is the better way to say it. But that's my desire, that we be a church that sends people near and far to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And as we said last week, the purpose of our intimate relationship with, G- with God through Jesus is that we might proclaim his praise to all people. There's a song, and I'm not going to play it uh, because I didn't fe- feel the rhythm felt with, fit with what else we were doing this morning, but a group called For King and Country has wrestled with this idea, and they write, and the whole song has just very powerful lyrics, but when they get to the chorus, they're being drawn back, and he's telling basically his story and song of fixing his eyes on Christ, and that he hasn't always done that, and the writer's a, a Kiwi guy, and a good man, I don't know him personally, but I love his heart as he writes songs, and I'm thankful I've got kids that teach me good music uh, that's newer than I would, uh, I'm stuck in the Bon Jovi era, Uh, And so it's good to be introduced to something new. But listen to his words. Love like I'm not scared. Give when it's not fair. Live life for another. Take time for a brother. Now you can include sister there. It just doesn't rhyme. Fight for the weak ones. Speak out for freedom. Find faith in the battle. Stand tall, but above it all. Fix my eyes on you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the gospel. That is our gospel call as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, or in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the Most High God, adopted into his family. Above it all, fix your eyes on Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I pray that we would boldly proclaim your greatness and goodness to all people. That we would love like we're not scared. That we would care for the weak and the strong. And that all people from all walks of life, all class, context, culture, and continent would know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Messiah. And that we would get to welcome them to the family. In your name I pray.